Section 36 of The Natural History, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The Natural History, Volume 4 by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Section 36. Book 20. Chapters 46 to 55. Chapter 46. Olisatrum or Hipposirinon, eleven remedies. Oriosirinon, two remedies. Heliosirinon, one remedy. Olisatrum, usually known as Hipposirinon, is particularly repulsive to scorpions. The seed of it, taken in drink, is a cure for gripings in the stomach and intestinal complaints, and a decoction of the seed, drunk in honeyed wine, is curative in cases of dysuria. The root of the plant, boiled in wine, expels calculi of the bladder, and is a cure for lumbago and pains in the sides. Taken in drink and applied topically, it is a cure for the bite of a mad dog, and the juice of it, when drunk, is warming for persons benumbed with cold. Some persons make out oreocelinon to be a fourth species of parsley. It is a shrub about a palm in height, with an elongated seed, bearing a strong resemblance to that of cumin, and efficacious for the urine and the catamenia. Heliocelinon is possessed of peculiar virtues against the bites of spiders, and oreocelinon is used with wine for promoting the menstrual discharge. Chapter 47 Petrocelinon, one remedy. Bucelinon, one remedy. Another kind again, which grows in rocky places, is known by some persons as petrocelinon. It is particularly good for abscesses, taken in doses of two spoonfuls of the juice to one caietus of juice of whorehound, mixed with three caieti of warm water. Some writers have added bucelinon to the list, which differs only from the cultivated kind in the shortness of the stalk and the red colour of the root, the medicinal properties being just the same. Taken in drink or applied topically, it is an excellent remedy for the stings of serpents. Chapter 48. Okimum. 35 Remedies. Chrysippus has exclaimed as strongly, too, against okimum, as he has against parsley, declaring that it is prejudicial to the stomach and the free discharge of the urine, and is injurious to the sight, that it produces insanity, too, and lethargy, as well as diseases of the liver and that it is for this reason that goats refuse to touch it. Hence he comes to the conclusion that the use of it ought to be avoided by man. Some persons go so far as to say that if beaten up and then placed beneath a stone, a scorpion will breed there, and that if chewed and then placed in the sun, worms will breed in it. The people of Africa maintain, too, that if a person is stung by a scorpion the same day on which he has eaten okamum, his life cannot possibly be saved. Even more than this, there are some who assert that if a handful of okimum is beaten up with ten sea or river crabs, all the scorpions in the vicinity will be attracted to it. Diodotus, too, in his book of recipes, says that okimum, used as an article of food, breeds lice. Succeeding ages, again, have warmly defended this plant, it has been maintained, for instance, that goats do eat it, that the mind of no one who has eaten of it is at all affected, 
and that mixed with wine, with the addition of a little vinegar, it is a cure for the stings of land scorpions and the venom of those found in the sea. Experience has proved, too, that the smell of this plant in vinegar is good for fainting fits and lethargy, as well as inflammations, that employed as a cooling liniment with rose oil, myrtle oil, or vinegar, it is good for headache, and that applied topically with wine it is beneficial for defluxions of the eyes. It has been found also that it is good for the stomach, that taken with vinegar it dispels flatulent erectations, that applications of it arrest fluxes of the bowels, that it acts as a diuretic, and that in this way it is good for jaundice and dropsy, as well as cholera and looseness of the bowels. Hence it is that Philistio has prescribed it even for celiac affections, and boiled for dysentery. Some persons, too, though contrary to the opinion of Plistonicus, have given it in wine for tenesmus and spitting of blood, as also for obstructions of the viscera. It is employed, too, as a liniment for the mammillae, and has the effect of arresting the secretion of the milk. It is very good also for the ears of infants, when applied with goose grease more particularly. The seed of it, beaten up and inhaled into the nostrils, is provocative of sneezing, and applied as a liniment to the head of running at the nostrils. Taken in the food, too, with vinegar, it purges the uterus. Mixed with copperas, it removes warts. It acts also as an aphrodisiac, for which reason it is given to horses and asses at the season for covering. Wild ochamum has exactly the same properties in every respect, though in a more active degree. It is particularly good, too, for the various affections produced by excessive vomiting, and for abscesses of the womb. The root, mixed with wine, is extremely efficacious for bites inflicted by wild beasts. Chapter 49 Rocket, Twelve Remedies The seed of rocket is remedial for the venom of the scorpion and the shrew-mouse. It repels, too, all parasitical insects which breed on the human body, and applied to the face as liniment with honey removes spots upon the skin. Used with vinegar, too, it is a cure for freckles, and mixed with oxgall, it restores the livid marks left by wounds to their natural colour. It is said that if this plant is taken in wine by persons who are about to undergo a flogging, it will impart a certain degree of insensibility to the body. So agreeable is its flavour as a savouring for food that the Greeks have given it the name of Eusomon. It is generally thought that rocket, lightly bruised and employed as a fomentation for the eyes, will restore the sight to its original goodness, and that it allays cuffs in young infants. The root of it, boiled in water, has the property of extracting the splinters of broken bones. As to the properties of rocket as an aphrodisiac, we have mentioned them already. Three leaves of wild rocket, plucked with the left hand, beaten up in hydromel, and then taken in drink, are productive of a similar effect. Chapter 50. Nasturtium. 42 Remedies. Nasturtium, on the other hand, is an anti-aphrodisiac. It has the effect also of sharpening the senses, as already stated. There are two varieties of this plant. One of them is purgative, and, taken in doses of one denarius to seven of water, carries off the bilious secretions. Applied as a liniment to scrofulous sores with bean meal, and then covered with a cabbage leaf, it is a most excellent remedy. The other kind, which is darker than the first, 
has the effect of carrying off vicious humours of the head, and sharpening the sight. Taken in vinegar, it calms the troubled spirits, and, drunk with wine or taken in a fig, it is good for affections of the spleen. Taken in honey, too, fasting daily, it is good for a cough. The seed of it, taken in wine, expels all kinds of intestinal worms, and with the addition of wild mint, it acts more efficaciously still. It is good, too, for asthma and cough, in combination with wild marjoram and sweet wine, and a decoction of it in goat's milk is used for pains in the chest. Mixed with pitch, it disperses tumours and extracts thorns from the body, and, employed as a liniment with vinegar, it removes spots upon the body. When used for the cure of carcinoma, white of eggs is added to it. With vinegar, it is employed also as a liniment for affections of the spleen, and with honey it is found to be very useful for the complaints of infants. Sextius adds that the smell of burnt nasturtium drives away serpents, neutralizes the venom of scorpions, and gives relief in headache. With the addition, too, of mustard, he says, it is a cure for alopecia, and applied to the ears with a fig, it is a remedy for hardness of hearing. The juice of it, he says, if injected into the ears, will affect the cure of toothache, and employed with goose grease, it is a remedy for porigo and ulcerous sores of the head. Applied with leaven, it brings boils to a head, and makes carbuncles separate and break. Used with honey, too, it is good for cleansing phagadenic ulcers. Topical applications are made of it, combined with vinegar and polenta, in cases of sciatica and lumbago. It is similarly employed, too, for lichens and malformed nails, its qualities being naturally caustic. The best nasturtium of all is that of Babylonia. The wild variety possesses the same qualities as the cultivated in every respect, but in a more powerful degree. Chapter 51 Rue, 84 Remedies One of the most active, however, of all the medicinal plants is rue. The cultivated kind has broader leaves and more numerous branches than the other. Wild rue is more violent in its effects and more active in every respect. The juice of it is extracted by beating it up and moistening it moderately with water, after which it is kept for use in boxes of Cyprian copper. Given in large doses, this juice has all the baneful effects of poison and that of Macedonia more particularly, which rose on the banks of the river Eleagmon. It is a truly wonderful thing, but the juice of hemlock has the property of neutralizing its effects. Thus do we find one thing acting as the poison of another poison, for the juice of hemlock is very beneficial, rubbed upon the hands and face of persons employed in gathering rue. In other respects, rue is one of the principal ingredients employed in antidotes, that of Galatia more particularly. Every species of rue, employed by itself, has the effect also of an antidote, if the leaves are bruised and taken in wine. It is good, more particularly, in cases of poisoning by wolfsbane and mistletoe, as well as by fungi, whether administered in the drink or the food. Employed in a similar manner, it is good for the stings of serpents. So much so, in fact, that weasels, when about to attack them, take the precaution first of protecting themselves by eating rue. Rue is good, too, for the injuries by scorpions and spiders, the stings of bees, hornets and wasps, the noxious effects produced by cantharides and salamanders, and the bites of mad dogs. The juice is taken in doses of one acetabulum in wine, and the leaves 
beaten up or else chewed, are applied topically, with honey and salt, or boiled with vinegar and pitch. It is said that people rubbed with the juice of rue, or even having it on their person, are never attacked by these noxious creatures, and that serpents are driven away by the stench of burning rue. The most efficacious, however, of all, is the root of wild rue, taken with wine. This, too, it is said, is more beneficial still if drunk in the open air. Pythagoras has distinguished this plant also into male and female, the former having smaller leaves than the other, and of a grass-green colour. The female plant, he says, has leaves of a larger size and a more vivid hue. The same author, too, has considered rue to be injurious to the eyes, but this is an error, for engravers and painters are in the habit of eating it with bread, or else nasturtium, for the benefit of the sight. Wild goats, too, eat it for the sight, they say. Many persons have dispersed films on the eyes by rubbing them with a mixture of the juice of rue with attic honey, or the milk of a woman just delivered of a male child. The same result has been produced also by touching the corners of the eyes with the pure juice of the plant. Applied topically with polenta, rue carries off deflections of the eyes, and, taken with wine, or applied topically with vinegar and rose oil, it is a cure for headache. If, however, the pain attacks the whole of the head, the rue should be applied with barley meal and vinegar. This plant has the effect also of dispelling crudities, flatulency, and inveterate pains of the stomach. It opens the uterus, too, and restores it when displaced, for which purpose it is applied as a liniment with honey to the whole of the abdomen and chest. Mixed with figs and boiled down to one half, it is administered in wine for dropsy, and it is taken in a similar manner for pains of the chest, sides, and loins, as well as for cuffs, asthma, and affections of the lungs, liver, and kidneys, and for shivering fits. Persons about to indulge in wine take a decoction of the leaves to prevent headache and surfeit. Taken in food, too, it is wholesome, whether eaten raw or boiled, or used as a confection. Boiled with hyssop, and taken with wine, it is good for gripings of the stomach. Employed in the same way, it arrests internal hemorrhage, and, applied to the nostrils, bleeding at the nose. It is beneficial also to the teeth if rinsed with it. In cases of earache, this juice is injected into the ears, care being taken to moderate the dose, as already stated, if wild rue is employed. For hardness of hearing, too, and singing in the ears, it is similarly employed in combination with oil of roses, or oil of laurel, or else cumin and honey. Juice of rue, pounded in vinegar, is applied also to the temples and the region of the brain in persons affected with phrenitis. Some persons, however, have added to this mixture wild thyme and laurel leaves, rubbing the head and neck as well with the liniment. It has been given in vinegar to lethargic patients to smell at, and a decoction of it is administered for epilepsy, in doses of four kayatai, as also just before the attacks in fever of intolerable chills. It is likewise given raw to persons for shivering fits. Rue is a provocative of the urine, to bleeding even, it promotes the menstrual discharge also, and brings away the afterbirth, as well as the dead fetus even, according to Hippocrates, if taken in sweet red wine. The same author also recommends applications of it, as well as fumigations, for affections of the uterus. For cardiac disease, Diocles prescribes applications of rue, in combination with vinegar, honey, and barley meal, 
and for the iliac passion he says that it should be mixed with meal boiled in oil and spread upon the wool of a sheep's fleece many persons recommend for purulent expectorations two drachmae of dried rue to one and a half of sulphur and for spitting of blood a decoction of three sprigs in wine it is given also in dysentery with cheese the rue being first beaten up in wine and it has been prescribed pounded with bitumen as a potion for habitual shortness of breath for persons suffering from violent falls three ounces of the seed is recommended a pound of oil in which rue leaves have been boiled added to one sextarius of wine forms a liniment for parts of the body which are frost-bitten if rue really is a diuretic as hippocrates thinks it is a singular thing that some persons should give it as being an anti-diuretic for the suppression of incontinence of urine applied topically with honey and alum it cures itch scabs and leprous sores and in combination with nightshade and hog's lard or beef suet it is good for morphew warts scrofula and maladies of a similar nature used with vinegar and oil or else white lead it is good for erysipelas and applied with vinegar for carbuncles some persons prescribe sylphium also as an ingredient in the liniment but it is not employed by them for the cure of the pustules known as epinictus boiled rue is recommended also as a cataplasm for swellings of the mammillae and combined with wax for eruptions of pituitous matter it is applied with tender sprigs of laurel in cases of defluxion of the testes and it exercises so peculiar an effect upon those organs that old rue it is said employed in a liniment with axle grease is a cure for hernia the seed pounded and applied with wax is remedial also for broken limbs the root of this plant applied topically is a cure for effusion of blood in the eyes and employed as a liniment it removes scars or spots on all parts of the body among the other properties which are attributed to rue it is a singular fact that though it is universally agreed that it is hot by nature a bunch of it boiled in rose oil with the addition of an ounce of aloes has the effect of checking the perspiration in those who rub themselves with it and that used as an element it impedes the generative functions hence it is that it is so often given in cases of spermatorrhea and where persons are subject to lascivious dreams every precaution should be taken by pregnant women to abstain from rue as an article of diet for i find it stated that it is productive of fatal results to the fetus of all the plants that are grown rue is the one that is most generally employed for the maladies of cattle whether arising from difficulty of respiration or from the stings of noxious creatures in which cases it is injected with wine into the nostrils or rather they may happen to have swallowed a horse-leech under which circumstances it is administered in vinegar in all other maladies of cattle the rue is prepared just as for man in a similar case chapter fifty two wild mint twenty remedies mentastrum or wild mint differs from the other kind in the appearance of the leaves which have the form of those of ochamum and the colour of pennyroyal for which reason some persons in fact give it the name of wild pennyroyal the leaves of this plant chewed and applied topically are a cure for elephantiasis a discovery which was accidentally made in the time of pompeius magnus by a person affected with this malady covering his face with the leaves for the purpose of neutralizing the bad smell that arose therefrom 
these leaves are employed also as a liniment and in drink with a mixture of salt oil and vinegar for the stings of scorpions and in doses of two dragmi to two caethae of wine for those of scolopendry and serpents a decoction too of the juice is given for the sting of the scolopendra leaves of wild mint are kept dried and reduced to a fine powder as a remedy for poisons of every description spread on the ground or burned this plant has the effect of driving away scorpions taken in drink wild mint carries off the lochia in females after parturition but if taken before it is fatal to the fetus it is extremely efficacious in cases of rupture and convulsions and though in a somewhat less degree for orthopnea gripings the bowels and cholera it is good too as a topical application for lumbago and gout the juice of it is injected into the ears for worms breeding there it is taken also for jaundice and is employed in liniments for scrofulous sores it prevents the recurrence of lascivious dreams and taken in vinegar it expels tapeworm for the cure of porigo it is put in vinegar and the head is washed with the mixture in the sun chapter fifty three mint forty one remedies the very smell of mint reanimates the spirits and its flavour gives a remarkable zest to food hence it is that it is so generally an ingredient in our sauces it has the effect of preventing milk from turning sour or curdling and thickening hence it is that it is so generally put into milk used for drinking to prevent any danger of persons being choked by it in a curdled state it is administered also for this purpose in water or honeyed wine it is generally thought too that it is in consequence of this property that it impedes generation by preventing the seminal fluids from obtaining the requisite consistency in males as well as females it arrests bleeding and it has the property with the latter of suspending the menstrual discharge taken in water with amylum it prevents looseness in celiac complaints seriation employed this plant for the cure of abscesses of the uterus and in doses of three oboli with honeyed wine for diseases of the liver he prescribed it also in pottage for spitting of blood it is an admirable remedy for ulcerations of the head in children and has the effect equally of drying the trachea when too moist and of bracing it when too dry taken in honeyed wine and water it carries off purulent phlegm the juice of mint is good for the voice when a person is about to engage in a contest of eloquence but only when taken just before it is employed also with milk as a gargle for swelling of the uvula with the addition of rue and coriander with alum too it is good for the tonsils of the throat and mixed with honey for roughness of the tongue employed by itself it is a remedy for internal convulsions and affections of the lungs taken with pomegranate juice as democritus tells us it arrests hiccup and vomiting the juice of mint fresh gathered inhaled is a remedy for affections of the nostrils beaten up and taken in vinegar mint is a cure for cholera and for internal fluxes of blood applied externally with polenta it is remedial for the iliac passion and tension of the mammillae it is applied too as a liniment to the temples for headache and it is taken internally as an antidote for the stings of scolopendrae sea scorpions and serpents as a liniment it is applied also for deflections of the eyes and all eruptions of the head as well as maladies of the rectum mint is an effectual preventive too of chafing of the skin even if held in the hand only 
In combination with honeyed wine, it is employed as an injection for the ears. It is said, too, that this plant will cure affections of the spleen, if tasted in the garden nine days consecutively, without plucking it, the person who bites it saying at the same moment that he does so for the benefit of the spleen, and that, if dried and reduced to powder, a pinch of it with three fingers taken in water will cure stomach ache. Sprinkled in this form in drink, it is said to have the effect of expelling intestinal worms. Chapter 54 Pennyroyal, 25 Remedies Pennyroyal partakes with mint, in a very considerable degree, the property of restoring consciousness in fainting fits, slips of both plants being kept for the purpose in glass bottles, filled with vinegar. It is for this reason that Varro has declared that a wreath of pennyroyal is more worthy to grace our chambers than a chaplet of roses. Indeed, it is said that, placed upon the head, it materially alleviates headache. It is generally stated, too, that the smell of it alone will protect the head against the injurious effects of cold or heat, and that it acts as a preventive of thirst. Also, that persons exposed to the sun, if they carry a couple of sprigs of pennyroyal behind the ears, will never be incommoded by the heat. For various pains, too, it is employed topically, mixed with polenta and vinegar. The female plant is the more efficacious of the two. It has a purple flower that of the male being white. Taken in cold water, with salt and polenta, it arrests nausea, as well as pains of the chest and abdomen. Taken too in water, it prevents gnawing pains of the stomach, and with vinegar and polenta, it arrests vomiting. In combination with salt and vinegar and polenta, it loosens the bowels. Taken with boiled honey and nitre, it is a cure for intestinal complaints. Employed with wine, it is a diuretic and if the wine is the produce of the Aminian grape, it has the additional effect of dispersing calculi of the bladder and removing all internal pains. Taken in conjunction with honey and vinegar, it modifies the menstrual discharge and brings away the afterbirth, restores the uterus when displaced to its natural position, and expels the dead fetus. The seed is given to persons to smell at who have been suddenly struck dumb, and is prescribed for epileptic patients in doses of one caethus, taken in vinegar. If water is found unwholesome for drinking, bruised pennyroyal should be sprinkled in it. Taken with wine, it modifies acridities of the body. Mixed with salt, it is employed as a friction for the sinews, and with honey and vinegar in cases of opisthotony. Decoctions of it are prescribed as a drink for persons stung by serpents, and beaten up in wine, it is employed for the stings of scorpions, that which grows in a dry soil in particular. This plant is looked upon as efficacious also for ulcerations of the mouth and for cuffs. The blossom of it, fresh gathered and burned, kills fleas by its smell. Xenocrates, among the other remedies which he mentions, says that in tertian fevers a sprig of pennyroyal wrapped in wool should be given to the patient to smell at just before the fit comes on or else it should be put under the bedclothes and laid by the patient's side. Chapter 55 Wild Pennyroyal 17 Remedies For all the purposes already mentioned, wild pennyroyal has exactly the same properties, but in a still higher degree. It bears a strong resemblance to wild marjoram, and has a smaller leaf than the cultivated kind. By some persons it is known as dictumnos. When browsed upon by sheep and goats, it makes them bleed, for which reason, some of the Greeks, 
changing a single letter in its name, have called it Plechon, instead of Plechon. This plant is naturally so heating as to blister the parts of the body to which it is applied. For a cough which results from a chill, it is a good plan for the patient to rub himself with it before taking the bath. It is similarly employed, too, in shivering fits, just before the attacks come on, and for convulsions and gripings of the stomach. It is also remarkably good for the gout. To persons afflicted with spasms, this plant is administered in drink, in combination with honey and salt, and it renders expectoration easy in affections of the lungs. Taken with salt, it is beneficial for the spleen and bladder, and is curative of asthma and flatulency. A decoction of it is equally as good as a juice. It restores the uterus when displaced, and is prescribed for the sting of either the land or the sea scolopendra, as well as the scorpion. It is particularly good, too, for bites inflicted by a human being. The root of it, newly taken up, is extremely efficacious for corroding ulcers, and in a dried state tends to efface the deformities produced by scars. End of section 36